careful. Amen. If you have your Bibles, the book of Mark, chapter number 9. The book of Mark, chapter number 9. Everybody knows I've been preaching treasures from the book of Mark on Wednesday nights for well over a year. A few weeks ago, we came into this section of verses, and the Lord just had me to stop and preach around it and leave it alone until this morning. And so the book of Mark chapter 9 and verse number 42, I'll ask you if you would stand to your feet to reverence the reading of God's precious holy word this morning. Mark chapter 9 verse 42. And whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Wait a minute, whoa, preacher, dear. mutilation? No, no, no. He's not talking about mutilation. He's talking about mortification. It's better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. For it is better for thee to enter into, halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. For every one shall be salted with fire, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. From these verses 42 through 50, I believe God would have me preach on this thought. The truth about hell. Preacher Darren, it's the first Sunday of a new year. And the first message you're going to preach to us is on hell. It's because it's what God said to do. Father, would you help us now to stand and preach the word of God in the power and in the demonstration of your Holy Spirit. I ask, Father, you'd help us. Your presence is welcome and needed. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. According to my Bible, Jesus dealt with hell, the subject or the topic of hell, more than any other teacher in the scriptures. In fact, I found personally, and I'm sure there are more, just in the New Testament, 176 references that Jesus shared with us about hell. When I look at these verses, three points, number one, there is the warning of Jesus. In verse 42, the warning is expressed as a picture. If you would look at verse 36, he has taken a child and he has put a child in the midst of them. And he said, whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever receiveth me, whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. This same child is still there in their presence. And the Lord said, 
whoever offends one of these little ones that believes in me, it is better for a millstone to be cast about his neck and he to be cast into the sea. What is the predicament here? The word is offend. The word in the Greek is scandalizo. It, it is like, uh, for, the, for the Greeks, the word scandalizo, to offend, is to take and set a trap. It is to bait a hook. It is to catch an animal. It is an entrapment. It is an enticement to sin. If you entrap or entice others, especially young ones that cannot fend for themselves, God said it'd be better for you to be thrown in the depths of the sea than experience the wrath of God that's going to fall on you because of what you've done. I do not want to be a stumbling block. I do not want to be an impediment. I don't want to cause anybody to trip. I, want to, I do not want to cause anybody to fall. I don't, want to, I don't want to dig a pit on the path and cover it up and cause you to fall down in it, amen. I don't want to stretch a cord across the pathway and cause you to stumble and trip. My job is to build you up and to encourage you. The predicament that they're in is dangerous. In fact, what is the penalty? Uh, this millstone weighs thousands of pounds and it'd be better for you to drown than to experience the wrath of God. Oh, it's bad for me to sin, but it's worse for me to cause you to sin. Now, not only is the warning expressed in verse 42, but the warning is emphasized in verse 43, 45, and 47. Preacher, what does it mean? Well, in verse 43, he says, If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. Your hand, what does it mean? It means if what you're doing is hindering you from entering into the kingdom of God, it would be better for you to do without what you're doing. In other words, something that you are, uh, maybe you're pursuing, something that you're desiring, something that is preventing you from doing what God would have you to do. God said it's better for you to cut it off. Maybe you've got a job that takes you away from the things of God. God said it's better off to do without that job and let me give you something else for then for you to continue doing it. Are you following me? If this morning, if you are diagnosed with a cancer, uh, they may give you some chemotherapy treatments to try to reduce the size of the tumor and then the doctor will take a scalpel and what will he do? He will cut it out. There'll be blood. There'll be pain. There'll be some hurts along the way. But the doctor knows that the only way you're going to live, friend, is to get rid of the cancer. If something that you're doing is offending other people, you need to stop it. Oh, preacher Darren, you're offended by me preaching. Do you need to, you need to stop it? That's not what he's talking about. Uh, my preaching is not to be a stumbling block. My preaching is to be a stepping stone. Amen? For the gospel. Now, not only what you're doing, but look at in verse 45. He talks about your foot. That is where you go, the path you choose, the things that you're involved with, the places that you go. If where you're going, hey, if you have been an alcoholic and God has saved you, praise God. But I don't think you need to spend the rest of your days back at the bar. You're better off to do without the places that you're going because it's going to hinder, hinder you or prevent you from serving God. Abandon the path of sin. Abandon the path of the world and 
followed Jesus. And again in verse 47, he says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. Your eye, the things you see. Boy, there's a real dangerous thing. The things you see, the things you desire, the things you lust out. I mean, think about Eve when, when she saw the, the forbidden fruit. She saw, right? It was her eyes. She saw that it was good. Oh, my goodness. And it got her in trouble and got her husband in trouble. And, and sin came upon us all because we Lust after worldly things. The Lord says you're better off to enter into heaven with just one eye than to go to hell with both of them. Amen. So what the Lord is telling us, this is his warning, expressed and emphasized, is you need to deal drastically with sin. Number two, let's hear the witness of Jesus. In verse 44, 46, and 48, where their worm dieth not. He's talking about hellfire. Where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Three times Jesus quoted this exact phrase. It is a quote from the book of Isaiah 66 verse 24. He's speaking about the Tola worm, which is a worm that when it dies, when it's mashed, it excretes a scarlet blood-like color, which according to the book of Job would probably represent the Lord Jesus Christ shedding his blood that we might be saved. But here, preacher Darren, here, the Bible says it didn't say where the worm dieth not. Look carefully. It is a personal pronoun. Jesus did not mistake this. Where their worm. What is that, preacher Darren? Their worm speaks of your recall, your memory, your times of conviction where Jesus dealt with your soul that you might be saved. You'll never forget it. That worm of conscience will continue in memory and the convicting power will continue to work forever. Misery. There have been times I was sitting in a church service and conviction men would eat me up and finally, when I got saved, that was over. Thank God for it. But I still feel that conviction when it's time for me to stand up and testify. Maybe I preach somewhere and I go sit down and God said, now I, want you to, I want you to stand back up and testify. I already preached, Lord. I don't want to hear from me again. God said, I told you to testify. If you don't get up and tell what I told you to tell, you're disobedient. I'm telling you, friends, we need to be obedient to what God says for us to do. Where their worm, their worm, their worm. Individual, thank God we get under conviction, but thank God we can get rid of it. But in hell, there'll never be relief from getting rid of the memory of the lost opportunities you had to be saved. There'll be no relief. There'll be no getting rid of it. Amen. It will work. I would look in the mirror. I would see myself going to hell. I would hear chains coming down the hall. I'm telling you, I just because I left the church service didn't mean it got away from me. It was on me bad. And until I surrendered to him and asked him to save me, conviction would not leave me alone. But in hell, you can't be saved in hell. You're there because of your own choice. I want to say a couple things about the witness of Jesus. I want to say that hell is an actual place. There are skeptics, there are skeptics that deny it. Many people reject the idea of eternal punishment. But I believe if it were not so, Jesus would have told us. Amen. Now, some people say, well, 
I got preacher friends. These biblical references, these 176 references that you found, they are symbolic. Oh, really? Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. If something is symbolic, it is a description of something that is real. So if hell is symbolic, what is he describing? He's describing an actual place. He is describing or referencing the real thing. People who not, do not believe in hell, they say, well, there is no hell. They begin to argue. They've told me before, hey, God is a God of love. Therefore, if God is a God of love, he could not send anyone to hell. Because there is sin, there will be punishment for sin. And you're right, because God loves you, he's not sending you to hell. You send yourself. You see, he, because you are sinners, we are sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he sent his son to bleed and die on an old rugged cross to take upon himself my sin. What is my sin? My disobedience to God. My drinking, my drugging, my cussing, my lying, my gossip, my hatred, my wrath. I could go on all day. He was made all of that. I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. He was made all of that. That I might be forgiven. He took God's wrath. He took my cross. He took my death. That I might have life. What a Savior that he really is, amen. And yet we debate, well, is hell real? Why would our preacher get up in here and preach on hell today? Some people, they'll attack the teaching of hell. One man, he told me this. He said, I want you to know that hellfire is the riot of imaginative genius. You may doubt, you may deny, you may defy the existence of hell, but it will not change one fact that hell is real. All your excuses, all your reasonings, all your rationalizations will never eliminate the fact that God will punish evil and sin in hell fire. Hell is not a myth. Hell is not fiction. Hell is biblical truth spoken by the words of the master. Have you believed Jesus is the master? If it were not so, he would have told us. And I'm telling you, he told us there was a literal burning hell. It is an eternal reality. There are skeptics that deny hell. But our Savior describes hell. Did you know in Luke 16, Jesus told us about a rich man who fared sumptuously every day and a beggar by the name of Lazarus that was laid, he was so poor, laid by the, his gate and every day the dogs licked his sores. And he was desirous that he could just get the waste products, the, the refuse that came from the rich man's house, that he could just eat the crust of the bread. Oh, preacher dear, and I think Luke 16 is a parable. There's never a parable in the scripture where Jesus used someone's name. He used Lazarus by name. Well, preacher dear, he didn't, he didn't name the rich man. He's trying to protect the guilty. Amen. I'm just saying to you that the Bible says about Luke 16, when the Lazarus died, he was just carried away, but his soul was carried to Abraham's bosom. 
When the rich man died, the Bible says he was buried. He had a big funeral. There were dignitaries there, other politicians and wealthy people there to pay their respects. But the entire time he was in hell, my Bible says, and in hell he lift up his eyes, seeing that he was in torment. And he said, Father Abraham, I am tormented in this flame. Will you hear me for a second? It is a place of consciousness. He saw, he felt, he heard, he lift up his eyes. He was painfully aware. Some people leave, okay, preacher, Dan, if there's a hell and I get sent there, then I'm just going to burn up and it's over. I'm annihilated, poof, and it's over. I'll feel a little pain, it's done. That's not what the Bible says. This man, Jesus' words, this man was painfully aware. He was conscious of where he was and how he got there. It is a place of consciousness. It's a place of constant torment. He said, and many times he said, I am tormented in this flame. Uh, send, uh, Father uh, Abraham, send Lazarus, the beggar, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and let it may fall on my tongue because I'm tormented again. I'm tormented in this flame. He remembered is a place of constant memory. He remembered that he had five brothers on earth. He said, send Moses and the prophets. Go preach to them. And he said, no. He said, I've already sent Moses and the prophets. They wouldn't believe Moses and the prophets. They said, yes, but listen, if one arose from the dead, they would believe him. Lazarus died. Send him back. They'll believe him then. He said, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets, Neither will they believe though one rose from the dead. And may I take time to say one did rise from the dead. His name is Jesus and they still don't believe him and they say he's up to symbolism and, and, and telling lies. I'm telling you, Jesus loves you and he wants you to go to heaven with him and escape the punishment of hellfire. And God, as I begin to pray, said, there are people in your church People you come in contact with that are in danger of going to hell. They're on the path right now to go and you need to tell them, danger, danger, the road you're on leads to destruction. The path's going to end and fall off into hell. Wouldn't I be an idiot not to tell you that the road, the bridge that you think is ahead is gone. My job is to warn you and tell you, turn around, go back and serve Jesus Christ. It is a place of eternal separation. The Bible says there's a great gulf fixed. There is no getting out of there. People say, well, if there's a hell, then we'll get preacher Darren to pray and he, they'll get us, get us from purgatory and then he'll let us go to heaven. I mean, will you hear me for a second? The prayers of preacher Darren will not get you out of hell. There's not one example in your Bible of anybody who is in hell that got out of hell who was sent there because of their sins. Not one. I can't pray you out of hell. As sad as it'll be, and our choir gets up to sing over your body, amen, when you die and leave, we'll not sing you into hell. We'll not worship you into hell. We'll not be able to see you work your way away from, or, or out of hell. We'll not see you to work your way out of hell. You can't buy your way out of hell. I don't care if you're part of whoever's family. You're not getting out of hell. 
If you've rejected Jesus, honey, that's where you're going. Jesus is describing hell in, as a place of suffering, as a place of misery, as a place of eternal torment, as a place of devastation. Hell is little discussed today. Did you know the last time I preached on hell has been a number of years ago? Some of you will think, all that preacher does is preach on hell. was Jesus' favorite topic. He had references to hell more than heaven. But for me, I preached more grace and helps and things to encourage you. And God said, today's the day to warn your people. There are folks that sit there that think they're okay because they go to church and they experience, I'm telling you, you're in danger of hellfire. Well, some of you start to squirm a little. So, uh, uh, surely I'm saved. Didn't I have a little experience back there? I mean, my mama told me I was. Honey, I would not waste, I would not, I would not gamble my eternity on what my mama said to me about my religion. <laughs> I think I need to know myself, amen. It needs to be that important. Amen. I'm just talking about this place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's beyond my ability to describe it. It's beyond my ability to imagine and comprehend such a place. But nonetheless, in Luke 16, the rich man found himself there. And I'm just telling you, he was begging to get out of that unimaginable pain and suffering. It is a place, the Bible says, that the fire will never be quenched. The fire will never be extinguished. I got flash burned by a uh, gas hot water heater. Probably the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. And it was poof, just a millisecond. Fried my face and burnt me to beyond recognition. I mean, I, it was awful, y'all. You'll be burning, not for a millisecond, but for all of eternity. And I love you. And I care about you. And and I pray for you and, and I've hugged you and I've shook your hand and, and we fellowship together and Jesus loves you more and already paid the price for your sin. All, all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. Oh, but old pride kicks in. The pride that I experience when I lose a basketball game. I don't want to say they're better than me though they beat me by 30 points. I just can't accept it. The truth of the matter is you need to humble yourself and say, all have sinned. There's not one of us deserve to go to heaven. We only get there by believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ by his grace. That's the only way that we get there. Hell is an actual place. Hell is an awful place. Look at verse 43, end of the verse. To go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Look at the end of verse 45. To be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Look at verse 47. Then to be cast into hell. Again, he repeats this warning three different times. There's no reprieve from the suffering and the horrors that hell brings. No reprieve once you get there. Psalm 9 verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell. Isaiah says that hell is a devouring fire, devouring fire. Revelation says it's the lake of fire and it is a bottomless pit. Isaiah says it's an everlasting burning. Matthew says it's a furnace of fire. 
Revelation says it's a place of filthiness. Revelation says it's a place that's cursed. Revelation says it's a place of no rest. How many times have I run into you said, how are you doing? Preacher Darren, I'm just exhausted. I mean, this life is tough. Man, I feel like this, this, this has just been like a hell for me. <laughs> you have no idea. When you go to the real hell, there'll be no rest. There'll be no lemonade. There'll be no iced tea. There'll be no sitting down on the front porch and fellowship with your buddies. There'll be no partying going on down there. You know what they're doing? That man that was in hell said, Father Abraham, you know, he said, I pray thee, would you send somebody to tell my brothers? You know what they're doing in hell? They're praying more than we are. There's a prayer meeting going on in hell right now. And they're praying, preacher Darren, preach it, preacher Darren, preach it. Send somebody to tell my family, don't come here. As painful as hell would be to an individual, it is worse if that individual sees their family there and they should have told them not to go. Whoo-wee. Let's just go back to keep describing hell for a second, amen. Revelation says it's a place of no rest. Matthew 25, 46 Everlasting punishment. Revelation 16.10, where they gnaw their tongues. Jude 13, a place of blackness and darkness forever. Uh, Matthew 25.41, a place prepared for the devil and his angels. If you decide to reject Christ because you're prideful, you're going to go to hell and you are, you're an invader. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. You are a trespasser. You're not even supposed to be there. And you hard-headed knucklehead, you decide to reject Christ and go to a place that was reserved for the devil and his angels? Oh, because you think you can take it and you think it's a good place? The Bible says in Revelation 19, 20, the people are cast there alive. Revelation 14, 10, it's a place that's going to be drinking the wrath of the, uh, the wine of the wrath of God. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 41, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. It is a place of unparalleled agony. The rich man in hell, I could show you in Luke 16. Will you take my word for it? He could see. He lift, not lifted. Lifted is past tense. Lift is present tense. He's still there with to lift his eyes. Amen. It's present tense. He could see. He could hear. He could touch. He could taste. He could smell. It's a place of undiminished memory. Not only did he remember his brothers, but he remembered his opportunities. If I start about midways in this church, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine steps. You could bow your knee and call on Jesus. It may be as simple as if I say, hey, is there anybody here lost? Is there anybody here that need to be saved? Any of you, you're not too prideful to say, I just don't know. I've got to know, preacher Darren, before death claims me. It may be this simple. But I raise my hand and say, I'm lost. 
And I'm right where I am, I'm going to pray, God, will you forgive me and save me? I believe Jesus died in my place and was raised again. And he's knocking on my heart and I want to let him in. It may be just as simple as one. One and forever in hell, you're there tormented in suffering and agony and you're going to think, why didn't I raise my hand? Why did, nobody was looking. Nobody was paying attention. Uh, why didn't I take nine or ten steps down that altar? What, for all of it, have you ever had in your life something that happened in your life? You look back right now and say, you know what, if I could, as smart as I am now, right? Not that I know anything, but what I've learned now, if I could go back and know now, if I could know then what I know now, I'd change some things. Is there anybody? There are people in hell saying, if I could have known then what I know now, how awful and dreadful this place is, I would have ran to that. I'm telling you, if one person, God would allow one person to be raised up out of hellfire and just to stand here and you see the torment, you'd run to the altar to make sure you're saved. If you could smell the stench, if you could see, if you could hear their screams, if you could hear them begging and praying, oh, please, don't come to this place. You're not welcome here. We don't want you here. Go to heaven with Jesus. You'd run to the altar and be saved. I'm telling you, hell is an awful place of unparalleled agony, of undiminished memory. Felix trembled when Paul preached and said, when I have a convenient season, I'll call for you. But now he's in hell. And he doesn't have a convenient season anymore. And even if he did, Paul is in heaven and couldn't get to him. King Agrippa said, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Honey, this is not horseshoes to see how close you get. You're either in or you're out. You're either going up or you're going down. It's absolutely that simple. Someone wrote this. The one frightful, terrible, awful, and hopeless word of hell is forever. A thousand times a thousand endless years will drag their slow feet over your tormented soul. Again and again, you're going to look and see that the gates of hell are locked. You're going to see that lake that burns with fire and you're in it. You're going to see the bars, the bolts, the locks. You're going to see the studded nails of the prison of the damned. Hell is forever. You'll be beyond God forever. Beyond Christ forever. Beyond the Holy Spirit forever. Beyond our Bible forever. Beyond the gospel forever. Beyond the cross Forever, beyond the blood of Jesus, forever, beyond forgiveness, forever, beyond grace and mercy, forever, 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 forever. You're in that place. Hell is an actual place. Hell is an awful place. Hell is an avoidable place. The only way for you to get to heaven is to believe Jesus as your Savior, to forgive your sin. Will you hear me for a second? This is not a decision to waver on. It's not a decision to put off. For one day, maybe two days, you will die. Extra, extra, read all about it. 
New Paul, every one of one persons die. You will die. Then what? Where will you go? God has created your soul, and what God creates doesn't die. He breathed in your nostrils a breath of life, and you became a living soul. So where will you go when you die? The beggar went to heaven. He trusted Jesus. The rich man went to hell. He was prideful. He trusted himself. He trusted his riches. He trusted his religion. And he died and he went to hell. May I say it like this? Do you not agree that the most important decision in your life right now is where will I spend eternity? Henry Appleman said, I know there's a hell. Not because I was taught it in seminary. I know there's a hell not because my denomination believes it. I know there's a hell because all fundamental Christians in the world believe it. No, that's not enough. Men could be mistaken. The best of men can be wrong. I know there's a hell because God says so in his holy book. Jesus told us there is a hell. I could get into the third point and talk about the wisdom of Jesus for those of you that are taking notes. We've talked about the warning of Jesus, the witness of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus. If you look with me, it's verse 49. It says, every sacrifice, right, about salt and fire for you that are saved, it is your responsibility to live as a testimony before people that are lost. Okay? But I'm going to close right here. Let's say, how many of y'all have a house? I'm just, maybe you won't apply, but how many of you have a house payment? I do. I have a payment on my house. How many of you have rent? You have, okay? So let's say that hard times fail and you lost your job or your ability to make money and, and you couldn't make your payment and you called the bank or the landlord and said, I can't make my payment. And they said, okay, we'll double it up next time. Interest is going to apply though. Second month comes around, you can't pay. Third month comes around, you get an eviction notice. You are out. The sheriff is coming to tell you you're out. In fact, you can only get a few things. Most of your things are going to be left behind for the landlord to claim. You are leaving. You are out. You are being evicted. That happens to people. But let's say we have a multimillionaire who hears your plot and says, Preacher Darren, I heard you can't make your payment. No. I'm not made in three months. I don't, I'm, and I'm being evicted. What? Well, you know what? Gets his wallet out and says, here, I, I'm going to pay the payment. Second payment. Third payment. You know what? Never give it back. I'm just going to go ahead and pay the whole thing off. No, 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 give back. I'm going to buy you a brand new place. The house, the house you live in is needing the roof. The house you live in has got some molding that's falling down. The dog's chewed on some stuff. Listen, I, you need a new, I'm going to buy you a brand new place. What do you think I'd do? What do you think I'd do? I'm going to buy you a mansion for you to live in. It'll be yours. Okay. Yeah. All you have to do is say yes. <laughs> I shake your hand off. Yes. How many of you would do the same? You may pay my payment. In fact, you're going to give me a new house. You... Today, I want to serve notice to you. Your soul is living 
in a residence called your body. And at death, you're evicted. You can't stay there anymore. Where will you go? You will go to hell. You couldn't make the payment. You couldn't work and buy your way into heaven. You had to be perfect. You had to be holy. You had to be righteous. And your righteousness and my righteousness is as filthy rags. We have none. We're going to hell. But a multimillionaire named Jesus. He stepped up this morning and said, I will not only make your payment, I want to give you a new place to live. I want to give you a mansion. And I want you to live with me. And he's looking for somebody who's willing to take him up on the offer. Just as simple as taking nine steps and bowing. Just as simple as saying, I want that offer, preacher Darren. I want to go to heaven when I'm evicted from this land. Amen. I've got family members that need this message. I've got loved ones and friends and frenemies that need to be saved. Maybe you do as well. Maybe today is the day you're going to say, you know what? I'm 22. I'm 72. I'm, tw- I'm tired of playing their religious games of am I or ain't I? Just go ahead and say, I'll never be good enough. And I need Jesus today. And I'm not going to be prideful. I'm not going to worry about what my mama says and what my daddy thinks. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to make Jesus my Savior today. I've seen people. My grandmother was a Sunday school teacher and got saved after she'd been teaching for years. She knew she'd never been saved, but she was prideful about it. And while she was cooking dinner for the preacher, he looked at her and said, Miss Rhea, When are, Rhea, R-H-E-A, when are you going to call on you? She said, right now. She said, I turned. I was sweating. I said, I'm cooking your dinner. Bless God, how dare you think I'm lost? I'm cooking your dinner. And she said, when I turned, the tears ran down his face, and I knew my preacher loved me. And she said, I called on Jesus, and I got saved. You stand to your feet. I'm done. Miss Billy. Christians, I want you to come pray. Maybe you ought to just be thankful. Lord, I'm just thankful I'm saved. Thank you for convicting me. And if you're here today and you're not saved, you can come too. And maybe there's some my day, maybe you're still standing. Christians, you be praying right now because the devil's warring against someone. Warring. Your head bowed is nobody's looking. Well, let God do what he wants to do. Is there somebody here? Maybe you're in the altar and you want to slip up your hand and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. I'm going to call on Jesus right now. Is there anybody? You're already in the altar. I'm going to be saved. Preacher, right now, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. I'll call on Jesus. Here's one right here. Is there anybody else? Maybe you're in the congregation. Just bow down right here, son. Maybe you're in the congregation. And you need to call on Jesus. Why don't you put, put up your hand? Say, I want to be saved, preacher. I'll not call you out. I'll not call you up here. I'll not embarrass you. God bless you. You put your hand right back down. Thank you. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Is there anybody else? I want to be saved. Maybe you're in the altar. I'm looking. God's looking. The Holy Ghost is searching. 
Are you saved? If you're not, right now is your moment. Go ahead and raise your hand and say, I want to know. I'm going to be saved today. Put it right back down. Anybody? God's looking. I've got two people that God wants to save right now. Is there anybody else? I'll preach it in. I'm not raising my hand, but I'm going to pray that prayer. All right, let's pray. We're going to pray right now. All right, we're going to pray. I want you to say, Jesus, say, Jesus, I'm lost. I want to be saved. Please forgive me. Wash me in your blood. You died on Calvary for me. They buried you. You arose again. And you've been knocking on my heart's door. (laughs) Will you save me? I want to let you in, Jesus. me go to heaven I don't want to go to hell in Jesus name in Jesus blood Amen did you pray that prayer